Welcome to I Bet So Hard, technology and workflows that really work. The not so serious podcast for seriously busy veterinary teams brought to you by vet to pet Listen for quick, fun interviews with veterinary professionals who've retrieved and actually held on to their sanity, happiness, and success by learning a few new tricks and embracing efficient processes that actually work. I'm Dr. Stacey Santi. And I'm Dr. Caitlin DeWild. And this is I Bet So Hard. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of I Vet So Hard, and we are excited to talk to you about euthanasia workflows today. Woohoo! I exciting. think you should have, a, a, we should have maybe done a different intro, because that, that sounds like we're super pumped about a terrible topic, but I think we should go with it. Um, I'm not that excited to talk about it, but I, I am excited to talk about it just because it's one of those things that nobody talks about and we probably should because the workflow of euthanasia stuff in general, not fun, right? No. So I'd no, much rather a- come up with a more fun workflow, like how to celebrate team member birthdays or something, but here we are. <laughs> uh, so what prompted this is uh, in conversation, I have been out of the office for a while and I recently came back into the the practice and there were like nine sympathy cards sitting on a table, like just looking at me ready for my signature and for me to force something out of my heart. Oh, (laughs) and it was, it was a real bummer, right? It's, it's uh, a little bit of a, you know, I think a well-being burden. I mean, obviously it's a huge burden. (laughs) I, I, I feel it bad that we're like not, giving the pet owners credit here that it's really their terrible burden to have to endure. Yeah, but but after you've knocked off about a thousand or more animals, I think you get a little bit of uh, leeway on how to handle this subject because it's hard. We don't laugh about it. We'll just cry all the time. So we can (laughs) sort of like compartmentalize it and try to do our best coping possible, but I know I hated writing the cards. Our process was after the euthanasia code was, or the cremation code, either one of those codes, or I think could have been even the status was changed to deceased. All these codes triggered a work list in Avamark. And then the receptionist would address the envelope and put it in the doctor's box that did the euthanasia. And then the doctor would write the card. And our goal was to try to get that card out as quickly as possible. So I don't know if that's a great, I mean, I don't know. I always, I know people like getting the card, but it's also like, I always felt like maybe I was opening up the wound again. Yeah. I think the timing is super, super difficult. And I'll, I'll be honest at our at my practice, uh, the practice I was at before, we had a totally different workflow, even though we were also Avamark, but it was whoever, you know, put them in the freezer. It was their job to, the final step was to get the card ready and start the card. But we had, I think, a kind of a terrible workflow in that, you know, in, in an ideal world, they wanted everyone in the practice to sign the card. But, and this was a six doctor practice. That's really hard. It's super hard to get everyone to sign it. And then it's super hard for you to emotionally convey anything that's meaningful for a patient that you maybe never interacted with. 
Like you'd um, write something, not just sign it. Right. Cause like signing oh, yeah. it just, that's terrible. And so, th- but then it was like, well, we've been waiting this, this card only has four signatures on it and they'd hold it until like they got enough. And then it was like, seven days later and then sending it like and then it was like is it too late because to your point like you don't want to like they're getting over it now well they're never getting over it but like yeah they're they're, (laughs) you know adjusting now we're like just kidding right and then it was also the timing that you know what if when did the ashes come back like if they were getting you know ashes back how did that work and then we also for you know really good clients we would make a donation so, you know, t- not kind of lining all those things up, it was just terrible. So mm-hmm. I think this needs some attention. This needs a workflow around it at, at most practices. Yeah. I think I need to, again, add it to my list of things to talk about with a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and also what I notice is if I got a great client and they've been my client for a long time and I've had to put multiple pets to sleep, they probably know my spiel now. Cause I write the same thing on all the cards. Cause after, you know, the first thousand, I can't keep coming up with new content every time. So, and I'm also found myself as a going on in my career. I just wanted to hurry up and get this out and done so I could stop thinking about it. And I went to my mindless place where I just write the words to move on. And I, I know that if any of my clients are listening, they probably feel like, um, oh, no, that's horrible. But that's the reality. And this is I vet so hard. So we're talking the real deal. For sure. Uh, I think, yeah, I have like a standard, like three things that I would say. But then, then I found it was really hard when it was a patient that actually meant a lot more to me. Then I would... I'd be like, well, I can't just say my standard because, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> and then I would <laughs> would have angst over it. So, okay, well, let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about what to say, right? Uh, and we are not the experts on what to say because we are cold, heartless people. <laughs> I don't know. We yeah. are. We're not the best ones. However, there are people out there that have good ideas of what to say. Um, one of Dr. Mary Gardner, who's been on this podcast before and, uh, her work with gray muzzle vet and with lap of love, they have some resources out there. I also know, uh, Colleen Ellis with, uh, two hearts pet loss center. She has some CE about this, even about like things to say and how to kind of go through a lot of these not so fun details. Uh, I just saw a Facebook post actually not, not too many days ago. That was like the sentiments like ideas, like basically that you could say. And I was like, oh my God. And I saved it. (laughs) Yeah. I think you should print that out and have a collection of possible options, at least to get started. That's Um, a great idea. I I think that's really important because that just helps you like, like you said, just get started. Like half the time I'm like, I don't want to sign the cards because I don't, but if I could be like, all right, take, take it from here. I think that would be helpful. Yes, I I agree. You're going to if you're going to do the job and the kind of work we do, you're going to have to try to get a a process of automation around this to some degree even if it's your own cheat sheet of what I top 10 things I can say. And be sure you spell their name right, like that's a, a pretty big deal. And you got to know if it's a a girl or a boy dog, a girl, a male or female dog. Yeah, don't mess up the pronouns. That's a it's a no-no. Which is hard if you like just saw, maybe you work at the ER, this dog came on emergency, you never seen him before and they're hit by a car 
you don't know necessarily their name's Sammy. You don't know if it's a, like you do have to pay a bit of attention. I'm sure y'all already do that. The next topic is when to send it. I mean, there's different schools of thought on this. I, I don't know that there's a right answer, but I would, my typical go-to has been as close to as possible. If you can't, if you are going to have ashes coming back that you're handling, I would say the card either needs to get in their hands before they get that call that the ashes are ready or with the ashes. Um, what probably doesn't work is to get the ashes and then send the card like that could be weird in their mind. Like they might get the ashes and go a period of time thinking they didn't even bother to send me a card because you haven't gotten it mailed out yet or something. Right. For sure. I think that's important because there are many variables and kind of goes along with what you're sending and when they're going to come back in again. So I think our, our takeaway here is not that we have the best answer on when you should send it, but you should have that as part of the policy. Right. And, and honestly, this is, this is nerdy, but I think there should be a policy, right? Like there should be a written SOP for dealing with this as part, maybe it's part of your, uh, actual euthanasia um, SOP, like we have a checklist, right? Because nobody wants to mess up like tagging the bag with the wrong thing or like when when it, you call the, the crematory or any of that. So I think either put it as this as like an addendum to that policy or make make your own policy uh, or SOP that, that basically says, when are you going to send it? And if the signatures aren't in, I think it's got to go, still got to go. Yeah, I actually am going to say I'm not a fan of having the whole team sign the card because people notice if like one person didn't sign the card, they might make some assumptions that, oh, my favorite technician, Rita, didn't bother to sign the card. Well, maybe Rita was on you know, vacation and she didn't even know. It's, it's a dicey game. People might... It actually, people could get their feelings hurt possibly. I'm not sure. I just always go to that place of like, could this cause damage? Well, and to me, again, I would much rather receive a card where someone actually wrote something about my dog or, you know, rather than just like Dr. So-and-so, nothing. Like to me, that's weird, right? Well, part of your process too, gosh, you always get more things that we think of when we do these podcasts, but Another another thing you've got to be aware of is, does the team want to sign the card? Because this could have been their lifelong patient, and they might not they, they might not feel okay if they don't get to say something. So you need to also be aware of being kind to your team, like in a like not a judgy way or not an expected way, but more like, hey, would you like to sign this card? But you don't have to. I'll sign it for us if you'd like. But I think you do need to ask key players, especially if a patient dies on the table or something like that. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Okay, so because we are a podcast about workflow and technology, uh, let's talk a little bit about the what to send and some other options because we both just learned, I just learned about, is it called hand? hand? Well, you handy, have it's handy written. So there's a service yeah. where, I only know because one of the girls on my team got this card from Chewy and it looked like really someone wrote it. 
And I'm like, surely they don't have people handwriting cards, but there was enough sloppiness in it that you were like, it wasn't perfect script. So you're like, this looks handwritten. Well, it turns out it's computer generated, real looking handwriting. <laughs> so you can okay. use a service like Handy Written uh, to you go on, you type in what you want. Some computer bot writes it in real looking handwriting. That's one option. But my favorite thing I started doing probably the last five years of practice is I started working. I started going through the Arbor Foundation and I didn't have to write a card anymore. So this is a huge win for anybody listening. The way it works is you can buy, uh, they're replanting certain national forests. They you usually get two forests to choose from. And then you buy one, one tree's a dollar. So they'll replant a tree in that person or pet's name. And so they don't tell you how much you spent. You could literally spend $1, but if you spent like $10, it's 10 trees, whatever your budget is. And then you put in the system in their platform, you put in the client's name, the pet's name, and they will mail the card to the client and say, Dr. Stacy Santi has planted trees in this forest on behalf of Bella. Well, that's kind of cool. Cause you could do that like just right after. Right after I didn't have to write the card at all anymore, which I loved. And I actually will tell you, I got more, I I always get a lot of thank yous for sympathies, but this one, a lot of people felt very obliged to make sure I knew they appreciated this. Hashtag I vet so hard is brought to you by vet to pet, the all in one client communication and engagement solution that makes being a veterinary professional a lot less hard. Hey guys, this is Nicole Claussen from the Inventory Nation podcast and episode number 16 on the hashtag I vet so hard. Constantly running around like a crazy Labrador? Too much stress leaving you looking like a hairless cat? Forever chasing the ball, but never seeming to retrieve it? If you're paying for multiple client communication platforms and still finding it difficult to get home in time for dinner, help is here. With vet to pet you can simplify and streamline your technology while still maximizing your reach. Rather than communicating with clients in multiple channels, you can find them, and they can find you, in one spot, your custom-branded hospital app. And because vet to pet offers expert appointment management, pharmacy requests, reminders, two-way chat, virtual payment, and so much more, you can exceed your client's expectations and decrease incoming phone calls and stress. We do something similar with the, with the vet school. So we make a donation, um, you know, to their fund that helps, helps patients that can't afford treatment or whatever. But what I always I like that we could just kind of send that digitally. And um, the downside of that is they don't receive notification about that until the school does it. And it's usually like a month later. So this is maybe a better service. This is really pretty fast. And then, you know, you could just delegate that to somebody on there on the team. Awesome. I like that. And that could be part of the checklist too. So 
uh, I, here we go. We've given them a digital uh, technology tip for a very, very depressing topic. Okay, let's last but not least talk about the technology around euthanasia. Like, obviously, it's important that your your PIMS is going to, you know, put a kibosh on them getting like reminders and things like that. But, you know, now with so many tech tools and extensions of our PIMS or things that connect with our PIMS, I think one of the workflow things needs to be uh, making sure that no other communications are going to go out through one of these other tech tools that you might have set up. Um, I, it, what do you think? Like, what are the what are the solutions to this problem? Yeah, you've got to know who's powering your reminders for sure. If it's not, you need to understand that right away so you can make an SOP on that. Because if you're having a third party do it, you want to make sure that the time, you know, if they're wherever they queue up the reminder jobs, that if you put in a euthanasia today, it will suppress everything starting tomorrow. So you don't accidentally send a postcard that, you know, Bella has vaccines coming due soon, which could happen. So I think that's really important. I also, you know, I, I had some interesting things happen at Vet to Pet because we, in the early days of the company, people would, you know, get their pet profile picture in the mobile app and, and then the pet would get euthanized. And the vets asked us to, they wanted that picture, that, that patient taken down out of that account in the mobile app immediately thinking we wouldn't want our pet owner to go to the mobile app and see their pet's profile and be upset. But we actually had the opposite response. We started doing that and the pet owners were really upset that their pet was gone. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And the real reason I know is my girlfriend, she obviously is, she is one of my early testers on my app. We go to the same clinic. We actually both used to work at the same clinic. And so when we were designing this part and her dog was put to sleep and I, we pulled her pet out of there automatically. As soon as we got the trigger from the PIM that it, it was deceased and she, she saw that she's like, where, where's Bridges? Bridges isn't in my app anymore. I wanted to look at some of his pictures. It was part of her grieving process. Oh, this is the saddest thing. This is the saddest episode we've ever done. <laughs> well, it's real. So I'm just saying, don't, don't assume that they, they, them seeing a picture of their pet. Like if, if people have asked us to remove it from the selfie slideshow, but People get comfort in seeing their pet be remembered. Yeah, yeah. So, so sense. don't make, don't get, it, don't think that you hiding it or making sure it's out of their view makes them forget that it happened. So, I, I always say pe- to people, don't worry too much about that. And then, uh, my favorite way to use technology here is to text the person the day after the euthanasia. We used to have a, a policy at our practice, or at least a standard we tried to hit, where you'd call the client the next day to check on them and see how they were doing. But it's so hard. People that the people that would answer the phone were crying. It's a call nobody wants to make. I promise you. Right. Yeah, that's not good for our team to have but, to handle that. We're yeah, not, but we're we not under- great counselors. 
Well, we understand that it's so sad and we want him to know we care. But when I got to where we had texting and I could text him, how are you doing? I'm thinking of you and wanted to check on you. That was really helpful because they felt a lot more comfortable to share with me if they were struggling or they were in a bad spot. I could send over some resources or I could make a note that I will check on them tomorrow. And I could give a little bit extra support during the process. That It wasn't that hard for me. Not like getting on a call with him. That was very hard for me. Yeah, that's that's a really awesome way of thinking. When you first said that, I was like, what? <laughs> but I don't know about <laughs> texting them the next day. But on the other hand, now that you say that, that's a really nice thing for the pet owner. It's a really great way to get them some resources because frankly, I hate to be like, okay, just euthanize your dog. And here's the books I recommend or the, the kids I know. resources or whatever, but it is a much better conversation that if they need that support that we could, you know, and again, digitally send them that. And then not for, it's a win for our team too, to not have to make the call and be on the phone if they're having some some difficulties because we still want to help them, but we want to do that in a way that still allows us to care for every other patient we have and our own mental well-being. So uh great tip there. All right. Well, I think we I think we did okay with this episode, even though it was like the most depressing ever. And I would like to vote that we don't do any more depressing topics for a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I know Thanks. it's it I laugh about it because it's the hardest part. Yeah, it's it's uh, never gets easier. That's for sure. So, well, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of I Vet So Hard. Uh, if you want our takeaways and our information, don't forget to visit ivetsohard.com to get this episode show notes and hopefully we make this process a little less sucky for your practice. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of I Vet So Hard. Don't forget to head over to ibetsohard.com to download our top five takeaways from this episode. We'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week. Until then, here's to putting your technology to work for your practice.